Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Thursday, a consequential Thursday it's going to be. In a few short hours, Just the News and myself and my colleague Nick Ballacy are going to release some of the first footage that we've obtained from the Capitol on January 6th that has yet to be seen by the American public. We're going to do this on and off for the next month. We have hours of footage we've gone through. We've tried to responsibly report on things that are newsworthy, get the information exactly right, and then we're going to turn it over to you. We're going to start that process in a few hours. If you tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern Time tonight to my television show, Just the News, No Noise, with Amanda Head and I, at 6 o'clock, we will show you the first of what will be many days of footage. Tonight's footage is going to show you how Nancy Pelosi exited the Capitol during the Capitol riots on January 6th. And you're going to see some behavior, behavior that disturbs the former police chief who was in charge that day, that disturbs other members of Congress. Nancy Pelosi turned what was supposed to be an emergency evacuation into a Hollywood movie moment. You just have to experience it to understand it. But it comes at the expense of security, according to the former chief of the Capitol Police. Others very concerned that on a moment of security concern at the Capitol, the speaker seemed to be more interested in movie making, even during the exit where her team, which is specially trained, is trying to exit the building. You get to watch that for yourself tonight. Tune in at six o'clock. We also have a story up on our site and we'll have it up on Rumble. All three will be able to be available to you. You can look, make up your own mind, listen to the experts. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Rodney Davis, who unraveled a lot of the fake January 6th stories, including the famous Loudermilk story. Many others involved, including Chief Sund. I think you're going to enjoy his interview a whole lot tonight. So all of that is going to be ahead tonight. Tune in for that. Now, today we're going to focus on the other big story in Washington, D.C. We're very excited to have this as another very important part of the process. Last night, in bipartisan fashion, the United States House voted to pass the McCarthy-Biden debt deal. Now, debt ceiling deal, I guess I should call it. It does take a little bit of spending down. It's not nearly as comprehensive as most Republicans want it or expect it. But it does take the issue of the nation's good faith and credit off the table. Joe Biden and Democrats can't demagogue on it. And here is the prediction I'm going to make to you because I think it's very important to understand that this isn't the end. There's a lot of people saying, oh, it's over. We're not going to do anything on the debt until 2025. It's just not true. Republicans are going to pass appropriations bill and through their authorization and outlays authorities, they could cut one, two, three, four, five, six percent more of spending next year. They could. Uh, That's not off the table. And so Today, I think a lot of people aren't thinking about that, that Kevin McCarthy may double right back around and say, okay, we got the debt deal done, but now Joe Biden can't scare us anymore. We're going to cut 5%. If he doesn't like it, we'll shut down the government in the fall, or he'll shut down the government. I guess the president would actually shut it down if he didn't engage on the negotiations. That is a really significant moment in American history. So today I'm going to start the podcast off with two great guests. They're two lawmakers from the same state of Georgia, Congressman Austin Scott and Congressman Mike Collins. Collins, a freshman, Austin Scott, a veteran of Capitol Hill. They're on different sides of the debt ceiling deal. Mike Collins, a freshman, doesn't like it. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus. He doesn't think it went far enough. 
Austin Scott didn't like it, but he voted for it because he thinks it's better than not having it. And what's interesting is these two men who have different assessments of how good the McCarthy-Biden deal was have the same marching orders coming out of it, which is this is just the beginning. We can make our mark. We, the new House Republican majority, can make our mark between now and October 1st when the new fiscal 2024 year kicks in by cutting a whole lot more spending and really trimming back the largesse and excesses of federal spending the last 10 years, five years for sure, certainly last three years with the pandemic. That is something that isn't being discussed in the conservative media, the mainstream media, but it is the likely evolution to this. And I've been talking to a lot of the members. If Kevin McCarthy comes right back around with a, here's how we're going to cut it more, the GOP caucus is going to be unified very, very quickly. It's going to be a very big moment. So we're going to start off today, Austin Scott, who's for the debt deal, though he didn't like it, and Mike Collins, who doesn't like it and decided to vote against it. Both of them agreed that the real opportunity to cut spending wasn't this thing, it's the next one, meaning the appropriations bills that get passed this summer and set the spending levels for 2024 forward. I don't think a lot of people thought that through, but that is a real possible flashpoint where Republicans score far greater things. Now, even in the midst of that, there are some real wins in this bill for conservatives, though not as far-reaching as you heard from Congressman Ralph Norman and so many other colleagues, Scott Perry. They've all been on the show the last few days. It definitely let down the House Freedom Caucus. That said, the House Freedom Caucus could be back at the table making real substantive cuts if they pivot in the next few days and start focusing on the appropriations authorities where the authorization levels and the actual spending levels are set by law. Joe Biden can't change them. So that is a big, big moment. We're going to have that. And then we're going to turn to our good friend, Tim Stewart, the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association. I want to give you an update on the efforts to get rid of gas stoves in your homes. Talk a little bit about the geopolitically unrest in the world and its impact on energy supplies and some historic court rulings that are reigning in the executive branch from a king-like authority to the more like the authority that our founding fathers intended to give the executive branch, really recognizing that Congress has to pass laws before the executive branch can make decisions like it's been making on Waters of the USA and so many others. So we're going to have a great conversation. Now, before we go to commercial break, there is some breaking news and we need to get it. The Democrat-controlled Senate, before they take up the debt bill, which should happen tonight, before they take that up, they went out of their way today to rebuke President Joe Biden in, in a humiliating fashion. The Democrat-led Senate, both Democrats and their Republican colleagues, voted today to block Joe Biden's student loan cancelization program, the little offer he made young voters to get them out to the polls in 2022. It never was going to happen because it's not legal. It's going to be blocked in the courts anyways. The significance of the Senate Democrats repudiating their own president in concert with Republicans sends a powerful message. This is another one of those circumstances where Joe Biden didn't have the legal authority. Congress had to do it. He didn't recognize Congress's power. And the Senate today, like the House before it, said, you know what, Mr. President, you don't have this authority and we vote against you. That's a pretty extraordinary moment. Go check out that story. It's breaking on justthenews.com right now. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have a great conversation with Congressman Austin Scott. He's a frequent guest on this program. Amanda and I talked to him last night about the debt deal. There's a lot to learn in his words. And then you're going to hear Mike Collins on the opposite side of the debt deal from Austin Scott. But they both agree on the path forward the next few months. The real spending cuts could really be on the horizon in just a few weeks. And I, I want to report on that because that's something that a lot of the mainstream media isn't thinking of at this moment. All right, let's take that commercial break. We'll be right back with Congressman Austin Scott of Georgia right after this. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly 
and in your favor, like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute alternative for care from a health care provider. Joining us right now from the great state of Georgia is Congressman Austin Scott. Congressman, great to have you on the show, sir. Hey, John and Amanda. Thanks for having us back. Appreciate what y'all do. Well, we love having you on, sir. Um, I just want to get your sense of the situation tonight. Obviously, it looks like with Democratic help, this bill will pass tonight. That'll be another victory for Kevin McCarthy. Some frayed nerves on the conservative uh, side of the Republican uh, Party. But um, do you see this as a win or a loss for the American people? Well, I, I kind of see it as a neutral type thing right now. Uh, you know, let me say this on the conservative side of things. Jim Jordan is for this bill, has spoken out openly for it. Uh, Warren Davidson and other great, solid conservative members uh, in favor of it. Uh, the Tom, Thomas Massey, who was on the Rules Committee, he's got a provision in this piece of legislation. And I hope, the, I hope the critics will actually give us a chance to go through the appropriations process before they believe some of the things that have been said about the bill. Uh, I, too, am concerned about the date limit and how much the debt could go up. But let me assure you, if we do our job as Republicans in the Appropriations Committee and spend less money, then the national debt won't go up as much as some have projected. And so I've, I've, I've heard some Republicans say, well, the bill spends $4 trillion. That, that's actually not true. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it sets a date that, uh, that the debt limit could, could move to without a dollar cap, which scares me a little bit, John. That was one of the reasons I held out so long. I don't like date limits. I like dollar caps on debt limit vote. Uh, but, but it's going to force a provision that would actually reduce spending if we don't come to agreements on the appropriation measures. And if you think about what's happened in the last couple of years, the Senate doesn't do anything with appropriations. The House passes appropriation measures, and then you get some supersized omnibus bill uh, like the last one, which was 4,000 pages, and and nobody has a chance to read it, and it's passed in the middle of the night. And I do think that procedurally we have stopped that with this piece of legislation. And I think Kevin deserves a lot of credit for the fact that there's a 100-page bill that everybody can read in a matter of an hour and a half or two hours if they care to. Uh, I, I just wish some of the members that have been on TV saying all of the things about it that are so that, that are negative would have actually read them before they spoke about them. Because what, what it does, it rescinds about $30 billion in money that's already been appropriated. $30 billion. In my years in Congress, this is the first piece of legislation that I've actually voted for that will become the law that I think actually cuts money. It cuts money. Cuts spending that's already been appropriated. Mm -hmm. I don't remember ever voting for anything like that that got signed into law. And so, and so then going forward, if we do our job in the appropriations process, we can reduce spending as Republicans. We've got the House. We don't have to agree to continuing resolutions uh, with the Senate. Now, now we've got to have Republicans in the Senate stand strong on that. 
And, and remember, it, it was the Republicans in the Senate that allowed the omnibus bill to pass in December that created this problem that unfortunately has created a big divide in the Republican conference now. And look at what we had done up to and until this point. We, we passed the immigration law. We have passed um, the, the debt limit bill that cut spending is much more than this piece of legislation does. We were moving down a very, very good path until until this last piece. But the choices right now are uh, you end up with a clean debt limit, you end up with a, a default, or you or you take this piece of legislation and you push forward into the appropriations process. So this is the this is the best of the three alternatives. I think the bill will pass. I think it'll be bipartisan. Uh, I wish 27 House Republicans had not voted with the Democrats on the rule. I think that will be a problem for our conference going forward. Yeah, I agree. Congressman, I want to ask you a bit of a broader question because we spoke about before the break about how Republicans maneuver going forward because there's such a slim majority and you've got uh, Congressman Chris Stewart who is resigning to take care of his wife and then George Santos. That's a whole whole other issue for Republicans. You know, I think that you look at the Democrat caucus and they take mostly wins and then they plow through onto something else. And I understand there's there's such great diversity of thought on the Republican side of the aisle. And you have those 35 to 40 Republicans who are very principled and they want all of the things within this bill to be perfect. Is it a better way to move forward for the MO to be let's take this as a win and plow onto something else so that we can get more and more notches in the win column? Uh, Absolutely. We need to be walking forward and consistently in the right direction. Consistent changes in the right direction gets us back to where we need to be. The Democrats have made consistent changes in the wrong direction. They did it with health care. They kind of edged down the the path of more and more uh, government control over health care. And look where we ended up now. There's almost total government control over the health care system right now. Uh, they, they did this with spending. We didn't get to a trillion dollar deficit with one or two or three pieces of legislation. It was multiple pieces of legislation in the wrong direction. This is one piece of legislation that is a small step in the right direction. And so, and so we as Republicans, we have to be willing to take small victories if we're going to govern. Uh, the Democrats have done that for years and moved the ball in the wrong direction. We have to take small victories and move the ball in the right direction. And so that's, that's where some of the frustration is with you know, the the hardliners that we have, who I respect, who who seem to want to get it all in, in one step. And and so, again, Amanda, I mean, the names that everybody knows, I mean, the Jim Jordans of the world, the Warren Davidsons of the world, uh, the Thomas Massey, uh, Masseys of the world. These, these are solid conservatives that, that are voting for this piece of legislation because they recognize we have to take steps in the right direction. So I want to turn to another big piece of news today. Uh, uh, Chairman Comer had a meeting or uh, call with uh, Director uh, Chris Ray at the FBI, was told that the FBI will not turn over the memo, that uh, the, uh, some lawmakers can come over and look at it privately at the FBI, but they'll not comply with the subpoena. I want to get your take on uh, the offer that Chris Ray has made and what may be the next steps that Congress might impose on the FBI and its director. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the U.S. Congress is an equal branch of government. Uh, you know, he, he's part of the Justice Department. But we constitutionally have have the right to see the information that Comer uh, has requested. And the idea that the FBI director gets to determine what Congress does and doesn't get to see, uh, that's not acceptable. And so I, I assume Director Ray will be given the choice to, to either comply I, I haven't talked with Kevin about this. I mean, I, but I expect the speaker has probably made it very clear to him that he will either comply with uh, what the request is or, or Congress will have a contempt vote. Yeah. Yeah. Sir, I want to ask you, let's broaden the perspective a little bit to China. This Chinese military jet, I think it was a, a J-16 that flew 400 feet in front of an American plane. China has declined a meeting between the defense uh, defense leaders in both China and the U.S. What does this all say from from a global perspective? Yeah, one one is it, it reiterates just how big the threat is with China. Two is uh, it shows how unprofessional they are uh, as a military. I mean, even in areas you, you know with the Russians in Syria, we're, we're able to coordinate where we fly and where where, where they fly, so that we don't uh, have an a, a mishap that leads to. Uh, quite candidly, war. 
All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break in a second. And when we come back, Mike Collins, freshman congressman from Georgia, on the opposite side of the debt deal from Austin Scott, but on the same side when it comes for the opportunity in the next few months to cut a lot more government spending. That's not on the table. Everybody thinks it's off the table to 2025. That's not true. You can hear Mike Collins say that as well in a few seconds. Now, before we go to commercial break, I want to point out something that I think is really important for all of us, and I hope you take a couple seconds. We have many great sponsors here in the Justin News, John Solomon Reports family. I'm proud of all of them. They make a significant difference for us every day of the week. I appreciate that enormously. They make our reporting possible. They make our the scoops that we're going to do tonight on January 6th possible, right? We wouldn't have this capability if it weren't for the sponsors. Well, one of those great sponsors is Birch Gold Group, and they have been extraordinary for so long. And with the debt ceiling drama playing out, they want you to know that it's a good time to diversify your portfolio. The stock market and others aren't going to react well. You've probably been underperforming on your investments now for a year or two, just like our good friend at Birch Gold Group, Philip Patrick, the precious metal specialist, has been telling us on this show. But here's the big thing. If you are concerned that for the 79th time in recent history, the debt ceiling has been raised, meaning a more debt, the credit card debt limit keeps going up, we're at suffocating levels. It could be as high as $36 trillion by the time the next president takes office. This is a time to diversify at least a portion of your savings, particularly your retirement savings into gold. And you can do it with the help of my good friends at Birch Gold Group. And here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket as BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa band together against our dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. You know what that means? They're buying gold. So you should follow their lead, right? There's a reason they're doing it in this very turbulent economic time. So here's what you need to do to get started. Just get yourself up to speed, be knowledgeable, then you can make a good decision on whether this is right for you. Just text the word Just News to 989898. One more time, text the word Just News to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. And with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings, too. How are you going to do that? Well, just text the word Just News to my good friends at Birch Gold at 989898. Text Just News to 989898. Get started today. Take action. Save your pensions, your investment and retirement and 401ks from unnecessary turbulence in the market and financial markets right now. Gold does that in these very troubling economic times. All right, folks, when we come back from the commercial break, Mike Collins is going to be here next. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. 
Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Welcome back, everybody. Our next guest went from a trucking executive and pilot to being elected to the 118th Congress. And perhaps at this point in time, with the gridlock of the GOP's debt negotiation deal, he's asking himself why he did such a selfless act. Joining us now to talk about the McCarthy-Biden deal, his vote, and all that has come from the last two and a half years of the Biden administration is Georgia Congressman Mike Collins. Congressman, it's a pleasure to have you back on with us, sir. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, and, and, and it is an honor to be on with you. Well, sir, I have to say, you know, after studying politics for years, I have seen many folks pass through the halls of the House and, and serve five, six, seven, eight cycles and never have a significant piece of legislation to their name. This is your first round, and you had the Trank research bill passed regarding fentanyl, something that's on the forefront of everyone's minds, especially with three weeks ago, the lifting of Title 42. Congratulations. Tell us about the bill. Thank you. And, and we, you know, and we've said it many, many times that every state is a border state. And uh, with fentanyl crossing our southern border at record rates and killing record number of Americans every day. And, and, and what has happened is now we have we have Narcan to protect uh, not only our police officers, our Border Patrol, but also as an antidote for this. But uh, the cartels kind of stepped up their game and they've been. Uh, mixing other things inside of fentanyl, like xylosine, the uh, veterinarian tranquilizer. And so the Trank Research Act uh, requires federal government. It's nothing uh, sexy. This is just a good administrative common sense bill to demand that the federal government advance research and come up with good remedies to help protect our law enforcement and our border patrol out there and uh, make sure that, that they are protected from these things that uh, the cartels are pushing. Yeah, this is a major, major win for every community in America, sir. Congratulations for getting it through. And I know a lot of Americans who've lost loved ones to fentanyl poison are, are grateful that some progress is finally being made. Um, I want to turn to the big uh, gorilla on the floor tonight. Obviously, the, the debt um, uh, deal is uh, gotten through the rules committee, gotten through the rules vote, and now is going to be on the floor and likely to pass with some Democrat support. You've taken an interesting position. You obviously oppose the actual deal itself, but you allowed the vote to come to a floor, uh, unlike some of your other Republican colleagues. Explain that and why that was important to you to do it that way. Well, because if you don't and you see what happened, we stalled out. And then what 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 happened was the Democrats started changing their votes. And if you notice the Democrats that were changing their votes, they were seasoned Democrats. Now, they knew how to play this. In other words, what they were doing was selling their vote. You hand over the reins of the House to the Democrat Party when you vote against the rule like that. And uh, so they're going to demand something. You, you, you know that's how this game is played up here. Uh, I don't believe in playing politics. I just believe in policy. I base everything I do based on policy and my private business practices. That goes back to that that that. Research Act that I got through the House and got over to the Senate, our next bill, we just look at how this thing is going to affect us policy-wise and, uh, and make our decisions based on that. But the voting against the rule is something that I was not going to do and hand over the reins to that House like what happened. Mm. Congressman, Speaker McCarthy seems confident that this is going to pass, obviously, with some help from Democrats. Um, operating under the assumption that it does pass. Can you give us a little bit of a sunny perspective? What are some of the redeemable bits in this bill that that you maybe would have clung to and added more to if you, if you had that opportunity? Well, you know, I, I sit on the House Natural Resources, one of the big items that we've been talking about. And we've been even in, going out on field hearings. Uh, I've been in Minnesota freezing my fanny off to have a field hearing out there to talk about NEPA reforms and permitting reforms, restrictions that the EPA put in in 1945 that have never been updated and allow them just basically to go on for decades uh, with permits and, and not releasing permits, changing, moving the goalposts on people that just want a permit to mine. And uh, you take that small town in Minnesota that we went to uh, last month, 
They have been working on a permit on federal lands for 20 years. 20 years. That that is, The economy of that small town is dead. That town is drying up. These people set the global standards on how to mine, and yet we have an EPA, we have an out-of-reach, out-of-touch, overreaching federal agency, the EPA, that need to be reined in. And and so, yeah, I, could, I would have loved to have been a part of that. But on the other part of that, one of the reasons that I could not support this bill, and, and I love the, the uh, limit saving growth. It was good. Great bill. But as we got to negotiating and the negotiation went on, this bill just got watered down too much for me. And uh, people are asking me, you know, why, what do you see out there? I don't see a problem in our leadership here in the House. You look at the bills that we passed. We passed some really good, solid, conservative bills. We've sent them over to the Senate, and they fell off in a black hole over there. The RAINS Act was included in the Limit, Save, and Grow, and it was pulled out. The RAINS Act would have reined in these federal agencies. It's been passed through the House on several other Congresses before I've gotten here, and it's always failed in the Senate. And I thought this was the one best chance we had to get that. And that was just one of the three good reasons of why I, I couldn't support it. It should pass. You know, my conservative values withheld me from voting for it, but there, there are moderates uh, that I'm sure on the Republican side that will help push this through. I just wish that it could have, have held up, you know, pushing it out to January 2025 without putting a dollar amount on it. Um, I did not realize that that's how the debt ceiling works occasionally up here or in most times. Limit save growth. We had not only a time frame limit, but we also had a dollar amount, which everyone came first as far as is hitting the debt mm-hmm. limit. Um, Medicaid. Uh, you know, we pulled Medicaid out of work requirements in this bill that we'll pass in the night or voting on tonight, and it was in limit save and grow. And that's it, that part of that mandatory spending that you really can't cut. You know, everything we've been talking about is on the discretionary side. It's only about 25% of the total federal spending out there. But if we could have clawed back some of that Medicaid and made people on Medicaid work, able-bodied people, that would have turned an expense for the federal government into a gener- revenue-generating uh, taxpayer. And so for those, that, that's the three main things that I saw that I just, uh, it was just uh, watered down too much. All common sense ideas. I think a lot of Americans are now their heads saying, I like that along with you, Congressman. I, I want to ask about the reaction. There's another freshman like you that has taken a very different approach. Uh, Congressman Eli Crane, great war hero. But he uh, he wanted to vote against uh, the uh, uh, bill even coming to the floor today. And he told me on my podcast, hey, listen, I want some accountability from McCarthy. Maybe it's a, a motion to vacate, but something to hold the speaker accountable. I want to ask, is that a good approach or do you have another idea in terms of using the appropriations bill for 2024 to create the sort of cuts that this bill doesn't try to actually achieve? Well, and, and that's the next step. Once we get past this, we, we've got a budget that's sitting there ready to go. And we've got our appropriation bills are already in progress. You know, this Congress, not this Congress, but Congress in general has not passed the appropriation bills on time, but four times in the last 50 years. That's how bad the House is doing their job. And that's our that's our job. That is your main job. The purse strings are held right here in the House. So we've got to get our budget out, which we needed to push it out after we did this. I agree with that. But now it's time to knock out those appropriate bills and really show America where we stand and what we need to do. The problem that we have, the problem that is out there is the Senate yep. and the White House. Right. Yes, sir. And, and if Very America wants we to go. help us. Yes, ma'am. Oh, no, go ahead and finish. I wanted to squeeze in one if, more question, but please finish. If, if America wants to help and we need your help, help us change the Senate. Give us yeah. some good, solid Republicans in the Senate. Give us the majority in the Senate. Take back that White House. And by God, we'll have this place humming like a sewing machine. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out. 
Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form, then he or she refiles as the new owner, and bam, your home is not in your name, and all of a sudden, debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at sign up. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Uh, this next guest is one of my favorite. I'm an energy nerd because I've learned a long time ago as a journalist that as energy policy goes, so does economic and national security policy. They're intertwined in ways the media often don't do a good job explaining. But our next guest, he always makes that point and he makes it understandable where we're headed in this country. He is the president of the U.S. Oil Gas Association and a good friend of this show, our good friend, Tim Stewart. Tim, great to have you back on. John, it's great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. We love having you on. I want to start because there's a debate over, did they cut enough out of the budget? All right, I'll get that. But within this bill that was passed last night, the debt deal, the bipartisan debt deal, some very important changes to energy policy that you and others have long been advocating for. How big a deal is the permitting reform, the pipeline, and some of the other energy-related policy items in this bill? You know, it's a, it, it, this is an important, really, first step. And, you know, and like in all things in Washington, you never get everything you ask for the first time. Uh, there are a lot of things that, that really need to be done to free up uh, the sort of the, this calcified, um, calcified energy permitting process that we live in. And, and so I would liken this to, you know, what we got out of that, the, the debt agreement was like it's somewhere between a, a fourth and a third of a loaf of everything that my, that my industry would want it. It's kind of like trying to unloosen a bolt that's been rusted on for years. You know, I grew up on a farm, and my dad had a lot of rusty farm machinery. And the first thing he showed is, look, if you want to unloose it, you got to spray WD-40 or some type of lubricant on it to break off the rust. And then you got to put some real muscle into it if you want to free these bolts up. So what you see, John, in, in this is it's the, particularly the NEPA provisions. That's spraying that lubricant on to, to sort of break off the rust, and, and, and then we have to put some real work behind it. So... We're encouraged. We think uh, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done, a lot of uh, industry provisions that need to be taken care of. But for the most part, it's a it's a good first start. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't know NEPA has been around, I guess, since the Nixon years. And it has become the weapon that environmental groups and their allies in the regulatory regime of federal agencies use to slow down any project. And for a long while, that meant mostly gas and oil projects. But more recently, the Democrats have realized their own system that they set up, this regulatory dragnet, 
was actually stopping their clean energy projects. And all of a sudden, people like John Podesta started screaming uncle. And it's remarkable. There's sort of bipartisan agreement that NEPA got out of hand, which is something you and your industry have been trying to describe for the American public a long time. This really could put some important energy projects on the fast track, couldn't it? Yeah, I think so. You know, the the whole problem that my industry faces is when you're dealing with a federal agency, the, the ultimate power they have is not to give you a yes or no, but to not give you an answer. And ultimately, they I think what they have learned and, and they've been assisted with the their friends in the environmental community, if you're an agency that's not particularly favorable to oil and gas, is to not tell them yes, tell us yes or no, but just not tell us anything. And you have small companies who have capital tied up for for literally not just months, but years waiting to get even small uh, decisions made out of uh, the the agencies that just take forever. The other power that uh, they have is ultimately to to uh, force you to go to keep bringing another rock to them. So they'll essentially bring me a rock. I'll bring you a rock. I don't want that rock. I want something else. That's how that's how it feels with uh, with our permit process. You know, John, I've had some companies, some smaller companies who have had some really fascinating experiences. I had one company several years ago trying to get their their environmental impact statement completed out of the federal agency, and it was rejected. It was a huge project, 1,500 wells on, on public lands out west in, U- in Utah and Colorado, which had had a huge impact. And as they submitted their thousands of pages of documentation, it was rejected for this reason that the archaeologist who went out to conduct the archaeological survey to see if there are any sacred Indian sites or any any potential uh, uh, obstacles there did not record the temperature on the day that they conducted the archaeological survey. And so it was rejected because they didn't record whether it was 72 degrees somewhere in the West Desert of Utah in May. And the whole project was sent back, no, 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 your, your archaeological survey is flawed. So what you see in this, um, in, in these NEPA reforms that, are, that have been come out of this is like the Congress has said enough of this crap. You know, you you got to give them a decision. You got to get a decision within within a year if it's a minor, with a minor action, and within two years if it's a major action. So that hopefully, like I say, this will break the rust off um, and and bring some of these short shirt sleeve ground tied bureaucrats under under greater scrutiny on how they make decisions. Yeah, no, it's such an important thing. Another place where the regulatory fiat of the federal bureaucracy is getting a look is at the Supreme Court. A very big ruling. It's not really specific to energy. But it is specific to the EPA's overreach and regulatory authority, the waters of the U.S., a 9-0 unanimous ruling, which means liberals and conservatives both agreed the government was overreaching. The latest in a long line of slapdowns that the government executive branch is not a kingdom. They're not kings. They have to follow the law. How big a deal is it for that message now to have been delivered two, three, four times in a row just in the last couple of years with the clean power rule, this rule, some of the vaccine and other mandates? It seems like the courts are speaking with one voice to an executive branch that's gotten a little too big for its britches. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the other thing, they're, they're speaking to the congressional and to the legislative branch and saying that Congress if you want to write laws, you have to become more specific in what you want the laws to actually uh, fulfill, you know, um, and that's that I think is important as well. Uh, again, the waters of the United States is a perfect example of, of re- regulatory overreach through EPA and the Army Corps, which our, my industry is, is those those two agencies are some of the most difficult to work with anyway. So it's it's nice to have these Supreme Court rulings behind us to, to give uh, additional impetus to these NEPA reforms for sure. Yeah, no, it does. The combined effect of them is that there's going to be a much clearer straitjacket on some of these regulators who think that they can make up whatever laws and rules they want. It's a pretty significant moment in the regulatory history of this country, I think. Yeah, it, re- it really is. Sorry, uh, let me just finish with this one thing. You know, people need to understand that that the regulatory process is a lot like Skynet in the Terminator movies. It became self-aware sometime about 10 years ago where it, it, it is designed to simply perpetuate a process. And so if I'm bringing a decision to you as a federal agency, there's far greater risk in actually determining an outcome than there is just perpetuating the process. And for every one person who can actually make a decision, there are 99 others within the agency who have one, one small piece of that decision-making process. And they, it's designed to protect themselves. So at any point, I'm waiting for a decision to be made on my, my oil and gas permit, for example. One person can reach into the process, regardless where it's at, 
and claw that decision back to where they are at. It really has become self-aware where an outcome is, is deemed a threat, but the perpetuation of the process is really the, the, end, the end game in these agencies. It's really, really frustrating. Yeah, no, it is. Well, that is playing out in a very big way from local to state to federal efforts to get rid of Americans, one of their favorite appliances, the gas cooking stove, which we all love. Chefs love it. I've never met a chef who said, boy, I'd like to cook on an electric stovetop. They don't. You have brought this extraordinary new organization to life, handsoffmystove.com, where everyday Americans could weigh in, work together with your industry and other partners to stop this remarkable campaign to try to get rid of gas stoves. And by the way, it's going beyond that hot water heaters, furnaces, you name it. It's such a weird movement that, that these liberal organizations have because in the last decade, natural gas has been the single largest reason why carbon emissions have dropped. So they're trying to get rid of the one thing that's been most effective in the last decade in reducing carbon emissions. You're starting to rack up some victories, not only in the number of people joining, but also in the courts. Tell us what heartens you about some early court rulings in this. Yeah. And I look, first of all, I got to say thank you, you know, on behalf of people who actually understand the value of, of having access to all different types of energy choices. Uh, you and your organization have just been invaluable in helping us get our message out. We really do appreciate it. We really enjoyed the partnership we've had with you over the last few weeks. It's been great. You know, um, the court victories have been really interesting as well, but it, it just to kind of refresh the memory of your listeners here, uh, a few weeks ago, the Ninth Circuit Court, uh, which is the most liberal and troublesome court in, in uh, the entire system, uh, struck down Berkeley's uh, natural or natural gas hookup ban that they had that the city had implemented. They said that that's a regulatory overreach at that level, and that sort of sent shockwaves because Washington State a few weeks later reviewed that court and then they had to back off their natural gas uh, infrastructure ban as well. Those early court victories are really really important. But I think the other thing is is people. This is a sleeper issue as you know. Yet it is so important because it is such a, a reach down into yours and my private personal life and coming into our homes. Right? It's a part of a much larger activist, you know, climate activist war on on natural gas in favor of electrification. It's nonsensical because you know the much higher cost of electricity over natural gas for homeowners. That's that goes without saying. It's not even clear, as you mentioned, if this switching, this forced switch will will actually do anything to address climate change. It's not, particularly when electricity is still being largely generated by coal or natural gas somewhere else. So this is being like this is being funded primarily by by really, really well funded environmental groups. There's an interesting sub stack that came out uh, that showed that these the five organizations, five environmental organizations in this space that are pushing to uh, move this, this natural gas ban across the country. They have a combined annual budget of $1.5 billion. And those are being funded by the Bezos Foundations and other, you know, the billionaires of, who are feeling good about things, you know, about the, their environmental chops. So my industry is going up against $1.5 billion uh, uh, in ad advocacy. It's actually, to be honest with you, while they, they think that uh, my industry is well-funded on the advocacy side, uh, this is uh, almost a you know five-to-one ratio against us and what we're trying to, to fight back on. So it's going to be interesting. It's, we're in it for the long haul. I think we all need to be in it for the long haul because uh, this has been part of their their game for years. It, and the IRA bill, which is basically one of the biggest raids on the, on the federal treasury that will ever happen since the fall of Rome, you know, talk about rewarding your friends and punishing everybody else. Uh, this has not gone away because there's so many provisions that are deeply buried in there that they will keep this fight going for, for a long, long time. And we've got to be that go head to head with them, which we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's a pretty extraordinary debate and it feels personal, right? Because it's our kitchen. It's our back deck if they go after your gas grill. And there's really not a public health or public need basis for doing this. This is purely ideological. And it seems from the reaction to Hands Off My Stove, which you've created, that there's been a miscalculation. You see the restaurant association out there saying, well, you're not doing this because, you know, chefs want to cook on gas. It's a better cooking experience. Did the Democrats pick a battle that they can't win now? And have they started something bigger? The reaction to your site, I think, tells us that there's a lot of Americans that are pretty busy, but this caught their attention enough to say, we're going to take some time and get involved in politics here and get this fixed. 
Yeah, I look, the Democrats, uh, the environmental community, they have a tendency, you know, they, they like I said, this is the, they play the long game really well. Sometimes they overreach, sometimes they don't. Uh, unless we, re, if we don't remain vigilant on this, unless we just sort of let it slip away and, and chase other shiny objects, they'll win. And we're not going to let them win. So like, if they're in that for the long haul, we're in it for the long haul. And it's, it's, we have to. I think we owe it to ourselves because we owe it to future generations. Because, again, I, I like the, what you said. This is a, an issue about choice. But today it's maybe a choice about what type of appliance I can buy for my new house or what, kind, what I can replace. But if you let government uh, be manipulated by, by other environmental groups like this, then that choice, that, this erosion process is frightening. It may be gas stoves today. But, you know, five years from now, we may be talking about whether or not a, a federal agency has the right to shut off yours and my electricity if we don't uh, if we don't uh, uh, adhere to certain philosophical approaches or have a proper social credit score. And this is this is a fundamental fight about freedom and liberty is what it is. It is. Yeah. And consumer choice. The free markets depend on having choice and competition and there is an ideological part of this country that is trying to eliminate choices in free markets for manipulated markets. And this doesn't stop with the gas stove, but it's certainly the most personal one we've experienced in a long time. If someone joins Hands Off My Stove, talk about some of the things you're doing. It's a really robust project. It's not only about opposing these things. It's also about working with the industry to make gas stoves even more efficient so that any argument against them is eliminated. It's a really innovative idea. What are some of the benefits if someone joins for just a dollar a month in this great effort? Yeah, and you know, and frankly, uh, we appreciate people are willing to put a little bit of skin in the game. You know, it's one thing for for my industry to just kind of put fight into it, but as you and I've talked, it's another thing for me to be able to demonstrate to my industry that consumers themselves, who are not in any way affiliated or employed by my industry, are willing to fight on this thing. And that's what's so nice is I can be able, I can now say to to uh, uh, companies and to utilities, look, this is a consumer interest issue and you need to become more engaged. You can't let this thing slip away. And we're, that's, our, that's our next step because then it's a leveraging process. Uh, but that dollar a month to poke a stove Nazi in the eye, that's, that's money well spent. And you can, you know, we can make fun of people, but the reality is, is we're, we're now at that stage. We were, we were a startup for all intents and purposes. When you and I started talking about this six weeks ago, we're acting like a startup, you know, we're, there's, there's growing pains and there's capitalization issues. I think we're now, well, I, I know for now through the summer, as we really start to ramp up, you're going to see some really interesting and enjoyable advocacy on behalf of Hands Off My Stove coming from us as we go to both the federal and the state level, show them that consumers are really, really unhappy about the direction that some of these agencies and some of these local municipalities are taking. We're going to put the heat on them. Uh, you're also going to see, I think, uh, we're going to start rewarding our friends, people who have supported us. You know, we're, you know, this past week, the 25 lucky people got an apron in the mail, for example, you know, hands off my stove apron. We're, you know, look, uh, one hand washes the other. And if they support us, we're happy to do everything we can to give back. And so um, it's an exciting thing. You're going to see some offers. You're going to see some fun recipes coming out. It's a fun thing. And, and we're, we're, it's fun and it's funny. And that's what makes advocacy enjoyable versus the, the stuff you usually see come out of Washington. So I'd say, look, if you haven't joined yet, join, because it's it's well worth it just to get the weekly email where we poke, poke these guys in the eye. It's pretty fun. Yeah, there's a little bit of fun involved, a lot of serious business, and a really important freedom to be fighting for, the freedom to choose what you're going to put in your house in future generations of Americans. So it's really an amazing thing. Folks, if you haven't gone and checked it out, go match me, go get involved. I got my membership. It is really worth being part of. Go to handsoffmystove.com. Join the free My Kitchen, free Hands Off My Stove movement. I think it's going to have a profound effect. You've seen the power of what's happened with Target and other woke companies stepping into controversies. The marketplace said, ah, don't go there. This is your chance to tell the government from the local to the federal don't go there. Get out of my kitchen. Let me keep my stove. I'll decide what I cook on. Go check it out today. It's an amazing opportunity. Handsoffmystove.com. Before we let you go, Tim, I want to ask a little bit. The world is in a more turbulent moment than I've seen in a long time. You see the warnings from the House Intelligence Committee. I did a big story on the House Homeland Security saying terrorism threats are creeping up real quickly. Geopolitics are going to have a profound effect on energy supplies and energy 
policies over the next year or two. And I just want to see, because you've been so prescient in predicting where gas and oil and prices have been going. What are the trend lines? What concerns you? What are you optimistic about as you look at in a turbulent world having some effect on energy supplies? Yeah, I appreciate that question. You know, there's there's sort of the snapshot in time, like where gasoline inventory is at going into the summer and they're way down, which means supply is going to be constrained, which you're going to see prices going up. But John, to your point, and this is what I so enjoy talking with you about this is because we have we have the opportunity to kind of look beyond what does the next 90 days look for and what does the next nine months or two or three years look like. And that's something that people aren't really talking about and they really should be paying attention to on the geopolitical macro level is for decades and decades there was the almighty petrodollar you know it was a the dollar the dollar was the standard by which oil you know oil and gas were traded and then you see the russians you see the chinese trying and moving into the BRICS. you know the the brick countries trying to break that that uh from in their view a stranglehold but it's really a standard of of, of uh uh you know, stability. They're trying to break the 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 value of the U.S. dollar and in the, st- the stable nature of doing trade. And what you see, and it's alarming to me, is said the Saudis, who were for decades sort of protect that standard, are now willing at least to entertain trading in in other currencies, which means you know the U.S. continues to lose its sort of dominance and and lose its preeminence in as the standard of stability in the world. The Chinese are moving in. They see weakness. They're moving into the vacuum. Uh, the Russians are supporting them in that. India is supporting them in that as well. And we really need to follow what's going on because, honestly, the, the Biden administration has not done anybody any favors in their just daily gross mismanagement of foreign policy and in the U.S. interest. That's, a, that's something that is a very big issue um, that not a lot of people are paying an awful lot of attention to. I would suggest the listeners, you know, probably ought to pay a little more attention to to these ongoing negotiations and discussions between countries about the U.S. You know, it's like we're not in the room and they're talking about us. And and uh, you always want to be in the room, is my view. That's exactly right. And also understanding that a lot of the war on U.S. energy actually is a war to for other countries like China to gain supremacy over the United States. We've had military and economic supremacy in the world for five, six, seven decades now. And people don't realize that energy is one of the primary warfare mechanisms that our enemies, those who want to supplant us as the world superpower, are using to make gains. And it seems like this administration is playing into their hands in a lot of ways. It's such an important lesson to teach the American public that energy is national security, energy is economic security, and the current approach we're taking seems to be emboldening the bad guys. It seems like China and Russia are more more bold now than ever before. Yeah, they see what's happening in Europe. They see that sort of the this this taking multiple steps backwards. Yeah, energy. Look, energy is is national security. Energy is it fights against energy poverty. Energy is food security, John. And that's the yeah. other. Thing. Oh, that's a it's, good point. You know, that's maybe another conversation for another time. But you know, John Kerry, who has this has this innate ability to always be so self uh, self assured and always be so wrong at the same time. Last week was talking about how U.S. agriculture needs to scale back significantly to meet net zero. Well, no, you know, that's, that, that is not a good idea. So that's another conversation from the time. But energy is also food, secu- food security. Source of our fertilizer, a source of our harvesting. Yeah, such a great point. Tim, we always love talking to you because we come out of the conversation way smarter than we went in. And I'm so excited by the Hands Off My Stove initiative. I think that it is a small battle for a very big freedom in our lives. And I, I think anyone who isn't in the game, go check this out today. It's going to be one of the best investments you make. A buck a month. You can't get anything for a buck a month now. Go check it out. Get involved. You're going to get lots of great information. You're going to get some fun tchotchkes that allow you to show to your friends where you stand on the issue. But more importantly, you're building a grassroots army to fight back against one of the basic ways that we cook our food right now. And that is a fight worth having. Tim, we love having you on. We'll be sure to get you on real soon. Thanks, John. It's great being with you. Appreciate it. We enjoy it very much. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in to the 
latest edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. I hope you enjoyed the conversation about the debt ceiling, about an angle that a lot of people aren't thinking of, but members are. That's important. This is a different Congress than past ones, and I think you're going to be pretty excited to see the evolution of spending cuts. They're going to accelerate, most likely, from this point, not decelerate like some people, including the Freedom Caucus, were saying on the show. There's still a big opportunity. It's really in Kevin McCarthy's wheelhouse to do it. Let's see if he's going to do it. My reporting suggests he's on that path right now. Now, before we get to tomorrow's show, a reminder, please tune in at six o'clock tonight on Real America's Voice, the Just the News, No News Show. Now, if you're not familiar with Real America's Voice, you can download their app. It's a streaming news channel. It's on Dish Network. If you've got Dish Network, it's channel 219. If you've got Pluto, it's channel 240. If you have a smart television, there's an app for every smart television, LG, Samsung, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can also get on the Roku app. That's how I watch it every day. It is Fox News for the Cable Cutters Generation. Well, at 6 o'clock, we're going to unveil the first of those video footages from January 6th. Nancy Pelosi's Hollywood exit from the Capitol. You're going to want to check that out tonight. That's going to be a big deal. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. If you want to take advantage of that Birch Gold group offer, real simple. Text the word Just News to 989898. That's how you do it. Real simple. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition. We'll be talking about the extraordinary video footage that we have. We've got more coming. We're going to be showing you all sorts of things over the next few weeks. The transparency that you've been crying for, we're going to deliver some of it at Just the News and Real America's Voice. Have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, Friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.